The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. We're going to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied uh, as he had from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband, Jesus said to her. You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. It really is such a great joy uh, to be with you guys again. Uh, We're just so thankful for uh, what God is doing at the church here. And it's been a real joy for me over a number of years to come, both when we're on holidays up the coast and then preaching to you guys, just to see what God is doing among you. Uh, And at the beginning of a new year, how good is it that we know that Jesus is King? Uh, I remember at the end of 2020, lots of people were saying, here's to a better 2021, and we all know what 2021 was, and I hear people saying, here's to a better 2022, but I think for Christians, to know that Jesus is king, come what may. Who knows what's going to be happening in 2022, but what we do know is that Jesus died for our sins, Jesus rose again. Uh, and Jesus is the one who is perfectly in control of all things. And so it's great that we can come and look at these stories of Jesus at the beginning of a new year. Uh, Why don't we stop uh, and just ask for the Spirit of the Lord Jesus to help us as we come to his word. Uh, And can I just say right at the beginning, keep your Bibles open. It's a big story. Uh, We're going to move fairly quickly, and so if you can have your Bibles open, that would be a big help. Father, we do thank you so much for our Lord Jesus. Father, that because of him, our sins are forgiven. Because of him, the spirit of the living God is alive and well in us. Because of him, 
we know what it is to truly live. And so as we spend time in your word today, we pray that your spirit would bring it to life for us. That we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of it. Father, because this is good for us and because this brings you glory. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, there is this really fascinating tool on Google called Google Ngram. Has anyone heard of Google Ngram? That's all right. I had no idea about it either. But in just a moment, there's going to be uh, this graph. Now, look, I'm not a mathematician. Usually when I saw graphs at school, I just kind of thought I'm going to fail this exam. That was kind of about where I was at. But Google Ngram is this tool that Google have developed which plots our interest in topics over time purely based on the number of times that a word or a phrase is used in all of the books and publications that it has. Uh, You can go in there and you can type in whatever you want into Google Ngram and you can discover whether we're interested in something or not interested in something at all. Here I searched the meaning of life. Now you might be thinking how on earth did they have publications back in the 1800s? Google wasn't around then. Well this is all of the books that they've now added into Google Books and it's plotting it as a percentage of the sum total of words. Here's the meaning of life. I find this absolutely fascinating that we live in a world and particularly in Western countries where we think we have absolutely everything. Put put the pandemic aside, we have more money and in every human development index indicator that there is, the Western world is doing better than ever before. But you know what we don't have? A clue about what it means to live well. And here's the thing, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian at all. You've come and you're just exploring Jesus. I want to say it is great that you're here. And the Bible is the right place to start. But there are many of us here this morning who are Christians. You've put your trust in Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. But you're kind of just waiting for heaven. You kind of don't really get the difference that Jesus makes to your life between the moment you put your trust in him and going to see him face to face one day in heaven. But as we come to this story in John chapter 4 about this woman that Jesus meets at the well, it's a story that is all about meaning. What does it mean for you and I to live well? The story begins with a purposeful encounter. We're told that Jesus was making his way on a journey from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north. And as part of this journey, we're told that he was making his way through Samaria. Now this, on the surface, just sounds a little bit like saying, I'm going to go through Harvey Bay on my way to get to Rockhampton. But there is a little bit more that is going on here. Read from verse 4 and 5 with me. We're told, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. The text very clearly said he had to go through Samaria. But there's a little bit more going on here. 
Jesus actually didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, all good Jews never went through Samaria. They avoided it like the plague. In the Old Testament, you've got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. When the northern kingdom was taken into captivity, some of the Jews stayed behind and they intermarried with foreigners. They effectively gave up on being the people of God. And this is who the Samaritans became. So so this hatred that Jews had for Samaritans is so much more than Queenslanders have for New South Welshmen, right? To a Jew, the Samaritans were ceremonially unclean, they were racially impure, they were religiously heretical. And so if a Jew was heading north... If Samaria's there, they would still go all the way around here to completely avoid going through this place. But what are we told? Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Well, there is a a divine appointment. He had to go through Samaria to meet this woman. And after arriving at Jacob's well, we're told that Jesus was tired and he was looking for a drink. And this single Samaritan woman arrives at the well and Jesus engages her in a conversation. It's a single woman on her own, probably because she was an outcast even within her own community. So think this through. Jesus is going to a place that no Jew would go and then he goes and meets a woman that probably no one even in her own community wanted to spend time with. And Jesus says to her, won't you give me a drink? Just just stop and let this rest on you for a moment. On the one hand, you've got a racially impure woman who is socially unacceptable and an outcast in her own community. And then on the other hand, you have Jesus who is the Prince of Heaven, the creator of the universe and the one through whom is all light and life. And he walks directly towards this sinful woman. Maybe you're here this morning and and you've walked into this building and you're thinking, God couldn't be for me. Jesus could not be interested in me. And you're, you're even sitting here feeling a little bit awkward about being with the church people because you think that sinful people can't come near God. Well, this is the good news of the gospel. That God isn't just okay with sinners, but he walks directly towards them in his son, the Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul put it like this. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. There is not 
one person in this room who is good enough for God. But every person in this room Every person in this room is made worthy if they put their trust in God's Son, the Lord Jesus. Hear this very clearly. Jesus is for sinners. He said really clearly, I didn't come into the world to save those who are well. I came into the world to save sinners. This is the good news of the gospel that those who come and put their trust in Jesus are not good people that God has made better. They are sinful people that God has loved in his son, the Lord Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. If you are a Christian this morning, if Jesus is for sinners, I wonder if you are too. I wonder if you are too. At the beginning of this year, I had the joy of sitting down with someone who came to Eastside and his first question to me was this, do you accept people like me? You see, in his mind, churches are for good people and he just confessed to me that in his mind he was a very bad person. Is your church for people like me? And then this big smile cracked out across my face, and I think he thought that I was going to turn him away. I said, brother, welcome. Welcome. Come and meet the Lord Jesus. But then the story moves on. There's a deliberate encounter where Jesus walks directly towards this woman who is a sinner. But then we see the most important question that she should have been asking. Read from verse 9 with me. After Jesus says, Can you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman replies and said to him, How is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. See, there's this shock within her. What are you even talking to me for, let alone being in the same vicinity as me? Then Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have in return asked him, and he would have given you living water. You see, Jesus gets to the most important question the woman says how on earth can you ask me for a drink jesus says that's not the most important question the most important question which you have not yet asked me woman is won't you give me a drink now there's this kind of funny interplay with water and drinking going on here and I think that we we genuinely struggle to understand this. If you and I want a drink, what do we do? We just go and turn the tap on. If you want a nicer drink, you go to the shops, you go and get a slurpee on a Saturday afternoon. There's drinks everywhere. For us drinks are on tap. But in the Middle East, 
There was no water purification. There was no big dams the way that we have them today. Getting a drink of water was a matter of life and death. If you didn't have water, what would happen? You would die. I had this funny interaction with my eldest daughter this week. She got a sunflower at the end of school term. And she's been looking after it very carefully. She gives it a drink every morning. But then Janelle and I noticed that this sunflower just started to die. We said to her, Hannah, have you given it water? Yes, yeah, I've given it water. But the next day it looked even worse. Hannah, have you given it water? Yes, yeah, yeah, I gave it water. And then the third day, like it was nearly dead. And then she said, oh, I think I forgot to give it water. It's dying. Jesus is saying to this woman, you need living water. And as you would expect, initially this woman is thinking purely in natural terms. She, she's picturing Jesus saying, look, I'm going to give you a faucet where you can just get water whenever you want, kind of like the taps that you and I have today. And so she accuses Jesus of thinking better, that he is better than the patriarch Jacob who dug the well. Which is, it's kind of ironic here because it's true. Jesus is better than the patriarch Jacob. You can actually go, when you go home today, you can search on Google for Jacob's well in Samaria and it's still there today. But notice how patient Jesus is with this woman. She's not getting what's going on here, but look down at verse 13 with me. Jesus says to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Isn't it beautiful? I love how patient Jesus is with this woman. He could have just said to her, look, just get with the program. Or he could have just walked off and said, look, I'm just heading elsewhere at this point. He slows down and says, everyone who drinks of this water, the water at the well, is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never, ever be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up for eternal life. Water clearly is a metaphor of a life lived in relationship with God. In the book of Jeremiah, God says this to to his people. He says, My people have committed two sins, They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns. They have broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Think back to that Google engram. Why is it that we're so interested in the meaning of life? Why is it that you and I live in a country that has so incredibly much, but yet depression and anxiety and concerns about life are simply going like that? Well, I would suggest to you it's because we drink deeply of all kinds of things 
but it's like drinking salt water. We're like kids at a party, madly whacking the piñata of life, hoping that satisfaction will drop out, but it simply never does. We get a new job, thinking it will make us happy, and then a week later, what are we back on searching for new jobs? Seek. We get a new home, and then not long later, we're back on realestate.com. And then when we are single, we long to be married, and then when we're married, we long for the days when we were single. We take a holiday, and as soon as we come back, we're looking for the next holiday. We keep whack, whack, whacking this piñata of life. And Jesus looks at this woman and says, unless you drink deeply of me, deeper thirst will only be the result. What was it that this woman was looking for satisfaction in life from? Well, we're told... We'll see in the story soon that relationships were what she was pursuing. The next man, the next man, the next man. And she kept coming up short. And I think as we, as we work our way through this story, it's so important, if you're not a Christian here this morning, to, to see that Jesus is offering you something greater. But it's also so incredibly important for those of us who are Christians this morning to realize exactly what it is that we have in the Lord Jesus. I'm a terrible, terrible person when it comes to drinking water. You know, you see people who are always walking around with a bottle. Who's that person? Yep, yeah, there's a few fingers pointing at one another. Some people are great. They've just always got their bottle. In fact, one of the pastors I work with, it's like every year he buys me a water bottle for Christmas. It's like he's trying to say something to me. But like I will persevere through like a 35 to 40 degree day and then I'll get to the end of the day and I'll think to myself, why do I have a headache? Well, it's simple. I haven't drunk water. And I reckon there are many Christians who are like that. This is what we have in God's Son, the Lord Jesus. But yet we keep pursuing all kinds of other things and we wonder why this dissatisfaction grows in our hearts. In fact, what many of us do is this dissatisfaction grows and then we're likely to keep blaming Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't work for me. But if you're not drinking deeply of the Lord Jesus, that's actually God's kindness to you. He's, he's actually reminding you that if you don't daily drink of Jesus, that you will be spiritually thirsty. But then at the very same time, he points at the fridge, so to speak, and he says, he says look, there's not even just a bottle in there. It's like one of those U-Butte fridges that you can just put a glass straight under and you can daily drink of my son, the Lord Jesus. Practically, how do you do that? Come to church. So many people say, you know, I, I, don't have to be, I don't have to come to church to be a Christian. I just think it's a stupid thing to say. 
church is the place where you gather with the body of Christ. How do you meet Jesus? Gather with the body of Christ. You can have that argument with Jesus one day in heaven about salvation, but come to church. Gather with God's people. Read God's word daily. Our doctrine of the Trinity tells us that Jesus is God, and so if you want to hear the words of your King, the Lord Jesus, open the Bible. Be a person of prayer. Gather with a discipleship group. I have this discussion often with people at my church family. They say, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that says I've got to be part of a discipleship group. And my response to them is to say, well, all through the Bible it says you are the body of Christ. And it's not talking about you as an individual. It's talking to the collection of people. Drink deeply of Jesus in 2022. But then Jesus keeps pushing on with this woman and he does something weird. He opens up a really deep wound. Just just read of verse 16 to me. Now, like Jesus fails every, every box when it comes to good pastoral care at this point. He says to her, go call your husband and come here. Then the woman, very awkwardly, I presume, answered him and says, I have no husband. Then Jesus says to her, you were right in saying I have no husband, for you have five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. And then the woman says, what you have said is true. Just imagine the the deep sense of shame that's welling up in this woman. She was completely exposed as Jesus rips the scab off the deepest wound in her life. Like Right now where you are, I want you to, don't, don't say it out loud, just the thing that fills you with deepest shame. And then I want you to imagine that someone can just walk up to you and start talking to you about that. You've never spoken to them about it before and they know it. They just go for the thing in your life that convinces you the most that you are a sinner. And Jesus goes there with this woman. What she's doing, what he's doing right at this point is going to the heart of her spiritual thirst. The thing that she keeps going back to drink of. Now, I want you to imagine for yourself, what would Jesus go to if you were standing at that well with him? What he's doing is actually exposing the very thing that she worships. You just have to bear with me here. Most of us think that worship is about singing and preaching and what goes on when we gather on a Sunday. And that is a a big part of it. But worship is about the whole of our lives. It's the thing that gets you up every day. In English, the word worship comes from two words, worth and ship. Worship is about the worthiness of the thing that you are living your life for. Hear that again. Worship is about the worthiness of the thing that you are living your life for. A novelist by the name of David Wallace, he's not a Christian guy, he says this about worship. 
everybody worships. The only choice is what we get to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type of thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. Is that an incredible thing that he's picking up on there? Why are humans so interested in the meaning of life, what this life is all about? Because we're trying to find something, anything that can bear the weight of the desire of your heart and mind to live for something that is worthy. And this is where, as Aussies, we run to relationships, we run to money, we run to the great Australian dream. I reckon living on the sunny coast, you see so clearly, probably even more clearly than where I am on the east of Brisbane, that you and I live in a country that is so desperately trying to find anything that will satisfy the burden of the human soul. But it's crazy because if you worship relational security you will always be relationally insecure. If you worship beauty, you will forever be ugly. If you worship money, you will never have enough. If you worship intellect and status, you will forever feel like a fraud. Why? Because these things are not made to satisfy the burden of your soul. And this is where the story goes next. We're nearly at the end. Jesus shows the woman the heart of true worship. Read verse 19 with me. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. It's it's like, this is the best I've got. You're a prophet, you've exposed me. And then she throws out a, a red herring. She tries to divert the conversation. She said, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. She's talking about the Samaritans. But you say that in Jerusalem, that that's the place where we ought to worship. She's trying to like just throw up a bomb in the conversation. Make Jesus stop pressing deeper into what's going on in her heart. But then Jesus says to her, woman, believe me. Now, Now, when you hear the word woman, it can sound a bit pejorative, nasty. It's loving. Dear woman, beloved woman believe me the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in jerusalem will you worship the father you worship what you do not know we worship what we know for salvation is from the jews but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. He pushes aside the the theological controversy that this woman has raised, and he drives straight towards the heart of the matter. You know, God has not ever been totally consumed by this desire that he would just be worshipped on a mountain alone. Go and read the book of Acts where you see Peter unpack this beautiful sermon in the early chapters and he says, God is the God of absolutely everywhere and all things. 
God is the one who doesn't just own this patch of land or that patch of land. God is creator God. And Jesus says to this woman, you're going to worship in spirit and truth. Now, who is the spirit of God? Well, the spirit of God is the very spirit which breathed creation into being. The Spirit of God enlivens the soul to the beauty and to the worthiness of God. The Spirit is the one who leads us to see the truth that God is the only one who is worthy to be worshipped. The Spirit of the God is the one who makes us look at all of the other things in our life. makes us go, what on earth am I doing? Why am I not worshipping and living and giving the whole of my life to the worthiness of the God who deserves my whole life? And then in verse... 25, the woman says, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all of these things. And Jesus says to her, I am he. This is the most beautiful thing in all of the world that this woman who is so desperately thirsty who has so desperately been pursuing worship in relationships, and she's just kept coming up short, that the creator and king of this universe would step down into the world, would walk directly towards her and say, I am he. I am here, dear woman, so that your sins would be forgiven. I'm here, dear woman, not so that you would just wait for heaven and kick back and go, what on earth is life all about? I am here so that you might deep, drink deeply of the spiritual waters that flow from the creator of this universe. I'm here so that you might know true meaning and purpose and joy that can never, ever be taken away. Isn't it wonderful that this is what our God offers us in his son, the Lord Jesus? And this morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, why not make the first Sunday in 2022 the day? This whole story is showing us that it's not about sinners making them worthy enough for God. It's about sinners putting their trust in the Lord Jesus. And it's as simple as this, putting your hand up, both hands up. You don't physically have to do that. Say, so Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need everything that you have to offer me. Come and talk to Jimmy afterwards. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to someone that you've come with today. And for those of us who are Christians... 
Let's press into the one who says, I am he. Make it your joy in 2022 to read your Bible daily. Make it your joy to gather with the saints. Make it your joy to push back against Satan's lie that Jesus is just a downer on your life. And instead, pursue the one wholeheartedly who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church, located on the Sunshine Coast. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC. 